0: It ain't me. It ain't me. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> you know I was a youth pastor and I used to rap a little bit. Every time I hear something I'm like, I'm gonna come back, but no, no I'm not gonna do it. Maybe, maybe maybe next year, maybe next year, you know. So, it's 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 a it's a youth takeover service, right? So, I'm I'm, I'm trying to I'm just helping. I'm just helping out today. Hey man. Next year, next year, next year, next year, right? Come back to second service. You might get I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. If you would open your Bibles with me to the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 1. The book of Daniel chapter 1. And I will and I will say as as you turn there, I think one of the proudest moments for me is to be able to see kids that grew up in this church, you know, to go and then see them ministering to the Lord. I mean, that's you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like that. I mean, I, I, the other day I was looking at pictures from like when you know Ray and them first came to this church, and I'm like, wow, they were babies, you know. I mean, you know, see Izzy on the drums. I mean, those are those are beautiful things, you know, to see. And so, can we give God another hand for these young people? <laughs> And so we are in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. When you got it, say so. so. All right, we're going to read this whole chapter together. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of, of, their, of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, and to, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, "...gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of wine which he drank, and and, and the three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king." Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the, into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed for food and drink. For why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are, uh, who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the, the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. So then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants." So he consented with them and in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portions of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that he, would, that he should be brought in, they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king." And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Lord, thank you so much. For your word. Thank you so much for your truth today. Thank you for our young people that are showing us, Lord God, what you are doing in their lives and who are um, leading the way in worship today, Lord God. Thank you so much for the example that we have in this scripture here today. May you speak to us clearly, give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seeing the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand, and we'll be sure that the ushers get you an outline. We want to be sure that you're able to follow along in the introduction of the message. We also want to be sure that you're able to take some notes. And so, again, today is Youth Takeover Sunday, and so typically I wouldn't be up here, um, but our, our youth ministry is transitioning, and so I'm going to be, um, the sermon today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it won't just be me speaking, but there'll be some other um, young men that are going to help me out this morning that they are part of the youth leadership team as we're transitioning and trying to take our youth ministry to the next level. And so if you have your outline there, as we come to the end of the school year and look to having a great summer, are any any of the young people happy school is over? Any any young people happy school is over? No one? Yeah? Any parents? Any parents? Any parents, right? right. Young people don't even care, they're not even awake yet. But anyway, um, so anyway, um, as we look to the end of the school year, one of the things that we want to do is our prayer for each of our students is that they would experience God this summer in deeper ways. One of the things that I always have in my heart is being as a youth pastor, um, is, you know, remembering those days and always praying for our young people that they would encounter God during the summer because during the summertime, it's real, you know, it's relaxed, you know, unless you got summer school, I'm sorry about that. If, if you do, but, you know, if you don't have summer school, then, you know, you are relaxing, you're thinking about vacation stuff, you're thinking about pools and beaches and wherever else you're going to go, and it is so easy to forget about Jesus. It's so easy to forget about your commitment to the Lord, and my prayer has always been that during that summertime, that that would be a time that your faith would be ignited, that your faith would be stirred, that your faith would be mo- would be motivated inside of you in such a way that when you go into the next school year, that you will bring great impact into your schools. That's always been my prayer, and so that's our prayer as a church as well for our young people. And so, as a youth and student ministry, we are seeking God, and we believe that it's time to raise the standard. Are you here? We believe that it's time to raise the standard, and so looking at the book of Daniel that we have read this morning, uh, and and this first chapter, it gives us a glimpse into the importance of ministering to the next generation as early as possible. Right. So when when I just went I, w- I just went through a class, um, and 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 this class was on the book of Daniel, and as my instructor was communicating, and I'll talk about this a little bit more. I want to show you some statistics here, but as I, my, our instructor was talking, he said something that. Just just jumped out at me as he was doing the introduction to the book of Daniel. And it was this, it was that they were 15 years old when they walked into Babylon at this time. So this story here, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about you, but when I think about 15 year old, I thought about myself at 15 years old and I wondered, man, would I have the wherewithal to do what Daniel and his friends did? I thought about that. That was something that really stood out to me. And so I want you to think about this here because when we look statistically, statistically, church participation is not increasing, right? And so, here you have in this graph that you're looking at, you have some statistics. And so, first of all, we're going to look at four generations basically. And listen, there's different ways that people name generations and stuff like that. For this particular statistic, we're going to have four. The first one is builders, second one is boomers, third one is busters, third one is bridgers. And so, the first one are those who are called um, builders. And so, those are those who are born before 1946. Do we have anybody in here who was born before 1946? Anyone? Just saying, I I, I had to ask, right? Anyway, right? We don't have any of this 65% in here, but nonetheless, at the, those, at the, statistically, those born before 1946, 65% of them are, are, are participate or, or have participated in church. Like that was a thing because in those times, that was something that we did. And so you fast forward to the next generation, which is the boomers. So, how many boomers do we have in here? Those of you that were born from 1947 to 1964, any of those boomers in here? Listen, it, it, it's not about you being old. I'm just, you know, asking some statistics. You're not old, you're a boomer. You're booming, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, just keep it, you know. So so, so we have a few boomers that are in the room, right? Okay, and so in, in your age group, it went from 65% to 35%. So it, like, dropped off. Like, half of the, of the amount of people in that age group are actually attend church. And this is present day that are participating in that age group. And so let's look at the next one, right? This is the one, the busters. How many busters do we have? From 1965 to 1976, y'all raise your hand, y'all proud of in here. Come on, this is, the, this is the greatest generation of all, you know what I'm saying, right? And I was born in that generation, you know what I'm saying? Like I just made the cut, right? And so, so but, 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 but let me say something. While I say we're the greatest generation, guess what? We dropped off another half. So from 35%, we went to 15%. There's only 15% of us. That's why we some busters. Anyway, um, <laughs> only 15% of us are in church. Only 15% of us are participating. There is a struggle that is going on for this, for, for our generation, for the majority that, are, that, that just raised their hand. And then we have this next generation. Those are the bridges, those that are born from 1977 to 1994. How many bridges do we have in the room? All right. All right, so y'all, 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 y'all a, little bit major, a, a little bit of a majority here, so we're doing all right, right, as far as our church statistically. But check it out. Your age group, guess what? 4% of y'all are participating in church. You think there's a struggle that is going on there? You think there's a battle for souls that is going on there? Do you think that, that, that there is an enemy that is doing his best in order to bring discouragement, to bring dismay, to let people think we don't need the church? That's what the enemy has done. And what happens is this, is that you will have one generation that will assume a truth. And that would have been the the 65%. And then you have a next generation that will question a truth. And when they question that truth, then something happens. All of a sudden, nobody's answering their questions, and the next generation will start to reject that truth. And so what we have seen is we have seen a constant decline. As a matter of fact, what I would say is that we have in this 35%, that was the generation that was assuming the truth. The next generation, which is my generation, they started questioning the truth. Is Christianity really the only way? Is it really, is Jesus really the only way? Is Christianity the right religion? And you know, we didn't defend the faith well enough. And so you know what's happening is this next generation that's coming up, they're rejecting the truth. And so we have to be those that fight. And so when I look at the story of Daniel, just going back to verses 1 and 2, in the third year of the reign of, 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 of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. So Jehoiakim was the last king of Judah. He was, he was a wicked king. He was really a pawn is what he was. Um, Josiah, by the way, he was the last righteous king in Israel of, of the line of Judah. He was the last one that was righteous. And, and as we see... Here in the third year, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he besieges the city. For those of you that don't besieges, what he does is he surrounds the city, and what and, and what happens is nobody is able to get supplies in there, so they're basically starving until they surrender. That's what's happening here. And so they come there, the, the, this great nation Babylon comes in to bring this, this, sie- this siege under this city. And then guess what? They end up overtaking the city. And you know what it says here? Look at what it says in verse 2. It says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. And so listen, here's what happens. This king comes comes in there, it's not that Nebuchadnezzar is so great or that Babylon is so great. It's that God is bringing judgment against Israel. And this is why this story stands out to me so much. Because in the midst of idolatry, in the midst of unrighteousness, in the midst of everything that is going on, these young men still had some level of foundation within them where they understood who they were. And when when they were faced with the temptations that you see that play out throughout this chapter, guess what they did? They still trusted the God who was judging them they still trusted the God who brought them into this place of defeat it wasn't that the enemy was greater God said you know what you keep rebelling you keep on bowing to idols you keep on dishonoring me there is judgment that comes because of that it is not because I don't love you it is because you don't love me and because of that rebellion because of that dishonor because of that disobedience they fall and you know why you know why this is so important that it talks about the articles from one one temple going to another because in those days you want to know what the battle was your god against mine and so in the eyes of nebuchadnezzar and all of these other people oh our gods have defeated yours not true our God was bringing judgment. So here's what I close my points with this is to say. Our goal as followers of Jesus is to raise our standard of living. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Our goal as parents following Jesus must be to raise the standard of the Lord before our children. Our goal as a youth and student ministry is to partner with you as parents in this effort of raising a generation of young men and women who are firmly rooted in their faith to know their identity in Christ and are passionate followers of Jesus. As a youth ministry, We are raising the standard of our service and are here today to challenge you to raise your standard of living. And so here's what I want to say. I want you to think about this this morning. God has set the highest standard. Our goal is to raise our living to that standard. Let me say that again. Our God has done what? God has set the highest standard. God's word standards are clear. God does not lower his standards. What has to happen is we have to raise our standards. So think about this. God has set the highest standard. Our goal is to raise our living to that standard.
1: Yo, 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 what's up, Core Faith? It's not a youth takeover if the youth don't also preach, right? So my name is Jonathan Reyes. I'm one one of the youth leaders here at Core Faith Church. I handle what we call the deeper nights. So I'm not going to say it's like a simple night where we just preach, because that's not what it's about on the deeper nights, right? So when you guys learn how to swim, you don't sit down in the classroom. They say this is how you swim, and then you go figure it out. You immediately get it. That's not how it works. What do they do? They put you in the water. And that's what we do with our youth. We put them in the water, and we, f- we figure things out with them. It's not just a preaching. It's a night where they get to engage with the Bible. Now, I'm a bridger. And I just want to say, this is how statistics work before we move forward. There's two types of statistics when it comes to a population. There's the global statistic, and there's a local statistic. Now, what you guys saw on that graph was it was going down in this church. Our participation was the other way, right? <laughs> so just keep that in mind, Bishop. So, and we're bridges. we call it bridges for a reason, because those questions that weren't answered, we're bridging those gaps. So keep that, keep that in mind. Now, what you guys just saw that video was a recreation of the Babylonian empire. And that video was two minutes and 30 seconds, and it still didn't do it justice. The empire was huge. And around the same time this empire is taken over, we have the Mayan civilization in the Mexico area around this time is also flourishing, A huge empire. You also have the Greek, where their art, their language is starting to go widespread across the entire, <clears throat> across the entire globe. And at the same time, you also have the minds of Confucius and Buddha. This, their whole you know, thought process is spreading over Asia. So you're starting to see these huge empires pop up all over the place, and their thoughts are taking over. But God's children, Israel, at this same time period are not flourishing. Matter of fact, they sold themselves to Pharaoh. The people they came from, in this time period, they went back and they became servants of Pharaoh. And the reason why they were besieged was because the Egyptians were not friends with the Babylonians, and Nebuchadnezzar came. And because the Israel was friends with, uh, was Egypt, with Egypt, they came and took them over. Now, with all that being said, I want you guys to repeat this after me. We must be on guard. Against the, enemy's attempted brainwashing. against the enemy's attempted brainwashing. Now, brainwashing needs a little bit of a definition here. So, I don't know how many people in the room have English as a second language. Is there anyone here who has English as a second language? Anyway? All right, so not really. All right. Has anyone ever studied a language in high school or in school where you had to learn Spanish or French or something? How many of you can speak that language? Okay. Barely, right? But if you were to go to France, if you were to go to Spain or a Latin country, and you were to stay there for three years, you think you'd pick up on that language? And you'd also pick up on what? Their culture. You start to, your brain starts to think a little differently. So in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, right here, right, at, right after everything was besieged, the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar did right after they got, took, took over Israel, the king instructed Aspenaz the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, that's me, gifted in all wisdom, that's also me. I'm telling you, Nebuchadnezzar would have been like, yo, bring has guy to me. Possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Now, I want you guys to keep to keep this in mind, the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar did was grab the youth. The first thing. And the same thing that the enemy does to us. that He already knows the importance of our next generation. You busters, you guys are set. He's after the bridges. He's after the, the people after the bridges. That's who he's after. We have to keep that in mind. So Nebuchadnezzar didn't just take the holy things from the temple, but he also took the shining light of Israel's future. He demonstrated that he was a wise and shrewd tactician. He took these young men as hostages to remind the people back in Jerusalem that they shouldn't revolt against the recently imposed Babylonian rule. He wanted to make things straight, that I'm the only person you need to listen to, the king of Babylon. And verse 5, And the king appointed them them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now, this method of brainwashing, taking these bright young people and just giving them the food from the king and training them for three years. Now, I went to school for eight years. I went to college for eight years. And let me tell you, that was tough. There was a lot of brainwashing. And I didn't, you know, what I was studying was the sciences, physical science, physics, aerospace, astrophysics, all that stuff. And everything they believe in is the Big Bang everything they believe in is evolution. Coming from a place of the Bible, you know how hard it is to stand in that type of community where everyone is here, and I'm publishing papers, I'm publishing scientific papers, and in my scientific papers, I can't put in my conclusion, and this is how God did it. It won't get accepted. It'll immediately get rejected. Now, for three years, for eight years for me, but for three years for Daniel and his friends, they have to sit there Listen to everything that they're being taught and remind themselves that God is still the ultimate authority. That's difficult, especially in this time. And when they are being offered the food of the king. Now, I just want you to keep this in mind. Um, it was it was given that the Babylonian government would provide for these young men in training. Yet having the same food and wine prepared for the king was intended to be a special honor. In an ancient world, much more than, our, than in our modern world, there was a huge difference between the food enjoyed by the elite of the kingdom and what the common people ate. Nowadays, if you guys can save up enough money and make a reservation, you can go to a Michelin star restaurant and have a really, really nice dinner, just like anyone with a Lamborghini and a Ferrari could do, right? You couldn't do that back in the day. That's it. If you were a common person, that's it. You stuck with what you get. If you only got one chicken, you got one chicken. You got to make that work, right? So this is a huge honor, and that's tough to turn down. And Daniel just immediately like, no, we're going we're gonna to be vegans. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Let me tell you that right now. So that right there is, 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 is the first thing that the king does. He makes sure that these people are going to be provided for, which is the same thing the enemy does. He's going to make sure and make you feel like you're being provided for. You're going to have what you need and I'm gonna train you for the future. That's what the world does. They put you in these schools, right? They put you in high school, middle school, they give you what you need to learn to be a productive member of what? Not the church, of society of society. That's what's important to the world. The immediate local society, which is why you see such big changes from generation to generation, because every generation that comes up always has a new question, and society is always evolving. The moral compass that is the Bible has never changed, and for Daniel and his friends to have that in their heads through these three years of training, that's how they got through it, because they realized that the moral compass that is our God that is our Christ, our Savior, does not change. And it took me a long time to realize that in school because I wrestled with it. Now, to wrap up this point, verses 6 through 7. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to (coughs) to Azariah, Abednego, the first thing the enemy did, these people just got captured. The king's like, I want you to train them for three years. The first thing the eunuchs did was change their names. Immediately attacked their identity as a son, as a child of the chosen nation of God. The name Daniel means God is my judge. It was changed to bel's prince bel is the chief god of babylon the final say so if all the gods got together and they were arguing bel would be like this is what we're doing that's the final judgment call so instead of god being judge bel the chief of babylon is now the judge hananiah beloved by the lord was changed to shadrach illuminated by the sun god So now instead of being bathed by God's love, you're being bathed by the sun God. Immediately changed. Mishael, who is as God. Changed to Meshach, who is like Venus. Azariah, the Lord is my help. Changed to Abednego, servant of Nego. So instead of the Lord being your help, you're now serving a God of art, a God of literature. Now, you can see the way these names were changed. They were changed to look perverted, to look like your original name, but it's not. The enemy does the same thing. He does it in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm not going to read it all, but what he does and what happens in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent convinces Adam and Eve, Eve first, then Adam, to eat of the fruit by saying, you will be like God. It's not that you'll die. It's just that you'll know good and evil. Just like God. You see that perversion flip? That identity flip? It's the same thing. Since the beginning, that's the first thing the enemy attacks in all of us, our identity. Satan uses a similar strategy against believers today, wanting to indoctrinate us into the world system. Satan wants us to identify us in a reference to the world system, feed us what the world offers, and educate us in the ways of the world. With all of that being said, I want you guys to remember this. God has set the highest standard, but the enemy's goal is to lower our living to give us a false sense of security.
2: Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved, an honor student, an MVP, a winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint, a sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things, none of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my heavenly father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace his identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all he has planned for me. God calls me his child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I?
3: Good morning, church. Good morning. What's up? What's up? All right, let me let me get set up here real quick. You know what I'm saying? Cause I gotta get organized. All right. So my name is Harrison Lopez. I'm one of the youth leaders, and I yeah help out with the youth. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going through verses eight through 16. I'm gonna read it real quick. Okay. All right. So the guard took away their choice, food and wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. All right. So this is crazy to me because like um, Jonathan was saying earlier and Bishop mentioned that as a 15-year-old guy, or as a 15-year-old in general, right, to um, to really um, be in front of delicacies, to really be in front of all these great-looking foods and to... To reject it is something that's crazy to me because I know myself. I'm a I I I'll confess a sin right now. I got gluttony. You know what I'm saying? For real. I got I I eat anything that's in front of me, and I couldn't imagine that that Daniel he he he's totally said no to this, but not because of anything that's with him personally. I guess it's more of just obedience to God. You know what I mean? And it was as crazy as that. It says that, as we see in the scripture, that Daniel resolved not to contaminate his body by eating the delicious food. And that word, contaminate, I was, I was um, thinking about it. And we, we let a, we let a lot of stuff contaminate us, right, Church? Amen. We let a lot of stuff contaminate us. And, um, and to be in front of that, whatever it is in your life, whatever sin it is that might look tempting, that might look amazing to do or amazing to feel amazing to touch or consume it looks good right it looks like it's it's presentable but it will contaminate us and it will hurt us and it could not only destroy our bodies or destroy our minds but destroy it could ultimately draw us farther from God and I would never want to be put in that position and for Daniel to say no to any of this stuff is amazing to me and and yeah, so yeah, I don't know. am sorry, I'm nervous, y'all. I'm just gonna be a little, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So I guess with that, I'm just saying, y'all, don't don't let anything contaminate y'all. You know what I mean? Run away from it, because ultimately, God's God's um, law and God's what He provides is better for us, and just and just will make us make us go make us better in the long run. You know what I mean, especially in, especially in eternity, because all right, you know. So so Daniel was the leader in his group of friends. So as you see Daniel rising up amidst of all these, um, and, and and think about it, because they're in Babylon and all of um, all of Israel is in Babylon. I mean, you don't hear anybody else at least in this, in, in this um, um, chapter, except for Daniel Hananiah, uh, Michelle and as a, I feel, I have, I feel like I'm saying those names wrong, but it's okay. All right. Good, good, good. Sounds good. I say my, I say my name wrong sometimes too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Daniel was the leader in his group of friends. And I'm going to say there are going to be times in our walk as Christians that we will be leading and times that we will be following. And if we are leading, we have to make sure to lead to following God's standards. Um, I know in my life I've been in a position where I had to lead and I also had to follow. And following, and I feel like we low-key put following, like we, we put following down, you know what I mean? Like, oh, no, don't be a follower. Don't be a follower. And yes, that's true. But in the same time, there's going to be positions just we're just going to follow, right? But we have to make sure, I feel like we have to understand who we're following, you know what I mean? Because I know... I remember back in high school, I used to in a group of friends, I, I used to be, I used to be a follower. I used to just want to follow the crowd. And I used to just want to put be just be, you know, in the crowd and follow them. And it, it led me to a whole bunch of just random and horrible stuff. And we really gotta look at ourselves and look at the people around us and see who are we really looking at what is their fruit like, what is their, how, what is their body type, body language like, how do, how do they interact with others, um, how do they act, like, simple things like that, they just show the spirits, you know what I mean, that show how their spiritual being is, and I feel like that, um, we just got, if we're going to, when we're put in a position to follow, we have to see who we're following because we want that person to follow us. To We want that person to lead us to have the, to hold the, the highest standard of God, have God's highest standard, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's coming out, it's coming out weird. And if we're going to lead, we definitely got to hold God's standard because if, if we, if we're putting someone else astray, that's going to be on us. You know what I mean? So yeah, we got to lead with God's standards no matter what. And for all you young folks, choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. It really is important to choose your friends wisely because, I mean, I, I know I haven't told, I, in my past I haven't chose my friends wisely, but also there was people who I followed that, There's people I followed that, it's crazy, I can speak of both, because there's people I followed that led me to God's standard, and there's people that didn't lead me to God's standard, but the people who I did, That did lead me to God's standard. I'm here now preaching the word that I never thought I would be doing. So I'm glad that um, God's, yeah. I'm glad that God um, led the ultimate way for that. All right. And this is going to bring it to modern times, saying that Daniel was a trendsetter. When we raise the bar around our peers or friends, they usually want, uh, how do I write that? Our peers. I'm going to read that again. Daniel was a trendsetter. When we raise the bar around our peers or friends, they usually want in, and that's when we point them to Jesus. So this kind of follows with my last point. But Daniel was a trendsetter. He was the only one that stood up and said, well, no, we're not just going um, to eat this. I, test your, you test your servants, and then you test us. And he was the one that spoke his mind, you know what I mean? and he um and I, and if we if we carry God's um if we if we're Christians and we follow God and we um we want to live by God's word sometimes we just have to say something just to just to show society just to show the the people around us that are not Christians that hey no this is this is how it should be and this is not how it, this is not how it's going to be you know what i mean okay cool 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 but yeah, and and, and it transcended. It just transcended everywhere. Cause then you see, it says that at the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better, nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So reading this, looking over it, they actually the the um, the head chief guy he actually gave everybody all everybody else of uh, the Israelites like vegetables and. And if, if Daniel would have never stood up and stood for what God's um, standard was and never stood for what God um, what ultimately called him what called him to be and called him to do was they would have, everybody else had have been eating um delicacies and even though like I said earlier it' looked good, it would have contaminated all of them and now, thanks to Daniel, he uh, rose up and he was able to transcend the whole whole Israel, Israel and Babylon so they can eat vegetables and stay um, true to God's word. So I'm going to end it with this. God has the highest standards. Our goal is to follow those standards no matter what. And I mean no matter what. Because we can go through life and we can say, but what if, but but that, but this, but no matter what, God has the highest standard. And I want to emphasize that because Sometimes we get a little prideful or sometimes we think, well, no, wait, but God, you why is this happening to me? No, no, it should be like this. Or no, why? Or people who don't have jobs, like, oh, but God, I, I need this job. No. But it's, it got, it's, we, we, we want to put ourselves to make, our own, to make our own lives choices. When God's choices, God has already set the choices for our lives. That's going to set our standard, and that's going to make us, you know, fulfill what he's called us to do because if we're going to try to do it on our own and try to do it with just, with just ourselves and how we do it i don't know if I make sense there if how we if we're trying to i'm trying to how am i just word it if we're trying to let me think if we're trying to um go through life and we're trying to put god away from it and just make it make our own decisions I mean, ultimately, I feel like we're, we're, I believe we're going to fail because at the end, God has the highest standard and yeah, so that's it. All right. So God has a higher standard. Our goal is to follow those standards no matter what.
0: Direction is everything. When the chips are down, when times get tough, when the outcome seems uncertain. tend to lose our way.
4: We lose sight of the goal.
0: We forget our purpose. Sometimes all it takes is one person to step up. push through the fear, to encourage the team, to lead the way. Direction
4: Good morning again. Good morning. It is great to be here, and it is a privilege for me to to speak and um, be able to share the word of God with you all. I feel like my brothers they killed it. I feel like I, um, I you know, and, and Harrison was nervous and everything, and he, I thought he did great. I feel like I don't even need to speak. No, but with all that, um, with all that being said, um, for those that don't know me, my name is Hector, and um, I've been at the church for about I want to say eight months, and God has um, just given me the privilege to be able to serve in many areas. Um, but but now I just felt, and I spoke to Bishop a while back, just felt like God was calling me to help with the youth. So that's what I'm doing now. So my so what I'm doing is pretty much building up the youth worship team, as you saw this morning, and also um, organizing our Nights of Ignite. Our Nights of Ignite is a time for us um, to fuel uh, our, our, our communication and our prayers before the Lord. It's, it's a time for us to just come into the Lord's presence and bring our petitions and just lift the name of Jesus to prayer and worship. Um, With that being said, my point this morning is our third point, and I would say repeat after me, which is we must recognize the results of God's favor. Now, before um, I just kind of dive into anything this morning, I just want to say this. There's a few things before we start seeing God's favor that I just felt like the Lord was really pressing on me about. Um, In terms of raising the standard, because in order for us to raise the standard, um, we have to be committed, right? And we cannot compromise. So a few things that we see in the text this morning is that Daniel kept his faith and his integrity in a time where his hometown was taken over. His freedom was taken away. He was taken from his family now, Bishop said he was 15 years old. Um, I read in other places as well that he was, it could be approximately 13 to 17 years old. So all we know is that this was a young man. And not only him, his, his other three friends, his peers that were with him, these were all young men being taken away. Right? So sadly, these young men were stripped of the life they knew. This was a time of great sadness, a time of loss, a time of adversity, not just for Daniel, but for all the people of Jerusalem. If there was a time to ever give up, if there was a time um, to compromise one's faith, this was that time. And though they stripped him of his life and his family and his home and his name, they could not change his heart. His heart was the Lord's, and he sought to keep it that way. By being committed to the one who was much greater than the king of that time, who was King Nebuchadnezzar, the Lord of Israel. That was who he was committed to. Now, we must understand that Daniel's commitment to the Lord was not by his willpower, but by the grace and the favor of the Lord. For what does the scripture say? For God gives grace to the humble. We see that Daniel's humility by the desire of his heart to remain pure, especially under such circumstances. Not many young people know what it is to experience such distress and such loss. It couldn't have been easy. But we know by the scriptures that we can endure, and I believe that Daniel knew this, that we can endure all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? In Proverbs 3, 3 to 4, it says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. When we seek to fill our hearts and our minds of God's everlasting love for us, faithfulness in keeping us, forgiving us, and never forsaking us, we will find favor before God and as a result, just like Daniel, favor with men. Daniel is a great example of never abandoning your commitment to God in order to get along in or with the world. When we seek to humble ourselves before the Word of God, He blesses us in ways we can't even imagine. He blesses us in ways that we cannot fathom, especially in the midst of loss and adversity. Because for some reason, God has a way of working in us through adversity, through pain, through loss. You guys know, we could keep on naming those <laughs> the things that we go through, um, through trials, through So many things that happen in this life to us, God seems to work all things out. And that brought me um, just to think about that we've been going through um, the Roman series and that we see as well, even in this situation, we see God so real and so vivid that God works all things out for those who love him. We can stay committed to God in tough times because he can be trusted and we know that he will see us through it. We need to understand that every time we compromise our commitment with God, we always, always compromise it for lesser things. I'm going to repeat that again. We need to understand that every time we compromise our commitment to God, we always, always compromise it for lesser things. Personally, when I think about the ways that I've compromised my commitment to the Lord, it tends to be in the situation that Daniel seems to find himself with his friends. It's always, I tend to compromise it every time life gets hard. I tend to compromise it in the most difficult seasons of my life. Because I struggle to believe that God is at work in the midst of adversity, sickness, loss, and pain. If we look at the times in our lives that we compromise our commitment to God, we can see that for some reason, it's always connected to sin. Every time we fail to be committed to God, sin tends to be connected to our lack of commitment. And when we compromise his ways in our lives, it weakens us. We lose our effectiveness in this world. We lose our effectiveness as individuals as well. While I was preparing the sermon, I came by a blog by the pastor, Greg Laurie, and his blog was titled, The Danger of Compromise. He writes the following, we should live in such a way that unbelievers could look at us and say, there is something different about that person. There is something that is desirable. There is something that is admirable. They may laugh at times, but deep in their hearts, they deeply respect you. But the compromising person, on the other hand, reaches no one. Now, what this passage said really impacted me because when I look at my own life, um, about the t- the t- at the times that I've compromised my commitment to the Lord, I definitely have seen that I have not just only not reached anyone, not effectively refracted Jesus, but also I've hurt the people around me. So what does that say about the God that I tend to profess and tend to to exalt? Um, In compromising our commitment to God, we compromise reaching and witnessing to others about him. Daniel's life is an example that encourages me and should encourage all of us to live committed to God and his standards amidst the loss, amidst the hardship, amidst the trials, amidst the temptations of the world. For when we are committed to God through difficult times, we can have assurance that he will see us through it and show his power to those that surround me. It was like that with Daniel. Daniel. Daniel, as, as my brother um, Harrison was saying, Daniel decided not to defile himself, and God demonstrated his power in him making that decision, right? And, and, and this prince of eunuchs, he decides not only he's going to take away, um, he's, he decides to actually fulfill his request, he actually decides that he's going to take away everyone's delicacies, Right? So now everyone else, because of Daniel's um, um, decision to say, hey, I'm not going to defile myself. Um, I'm going to eat vegetables because I'm going to abide um, by the food laws that God has put in place. You know, now everyone, everyone that's there. Now, we don't know how many they are, but everyone now is eating vegetables. Right? That says something the, it, in, in a very great and massive way that someone can actually take something so minute right because when we think about food right it's like really food but god look at look at with such a minute thing now daniel for daniel this was important for the people of israel is important because they couldn't contaminate themselves with food that was offered to idols right but but seeing this day and age like the little things that sometimes we compromise. But in this case, Daniel, with this, which probably the other people are like, please, just, just give me the meats and give me the, the rice and the beans. I'm sorry that I'm mentioning rice and beans, but probably not everybody eats rice and beans, but that's cool. Um, that would be the delicacies to me, <laughs> right? But, but he decides in his heart not to defile himself. And God demonstrates his power through his obedience. So we see as well that God demonstrates his power through our obedience. Daniel did not rebel when being taken away. Daniel did not defile himself with the king's food, but obeyed God's law um, against eating food offered to idols, as I just said. Another thing that I found, like, really, really um, just unique, and, and I had thought about it, is that it says in the text that he requested it. This, he requested this from the chief. And I think it's a minor detail to think just particularly about that word. But for some reason, I find it very important because he didn't demand it. He requested it. Right? So what does this show, what does this show about Daniel? It shows that he had respect for human authority. He didn't demand it. So in many ways, we see how Daniel is obedient through the text and through his obedience, God's standard for living is elevated among his authorities and his peers. For this reason, God is proven glorious, not just to me, but to those around me when I seek to be faithful to him. When we by the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting in Christ and in his finished work alone commit to God's standard for living, we can be confident that God is going to be glorified and make his glory known to the world around us. We see this come to pass in the life of Daniel and his peers as it says in 17 to 20. And I'm just going to read it. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king, and in all the matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and all astrologers who were in all his realm. You see, God can be trusted, his ways are good, and we can have full confidence that when we trust his standards, He raises the standard through us, proving his ways are unrivaled. I'm going to repeat that again. When we trust God's standard, he raises the standard through us, proving his ways are unrivaled. With that being said, we are ready to raise a standard. We are ready to fulfill our holy calling. We're ready to respond to Jesus' commission. As, as, a, as, as, a, as a youth leading team, we're ready um, to be a light in the world and to be a light in the darkness, to be that city on a hill that stands on the solid rock who is Jesus Christ. We are ready. My question is, are you? Let us stand and pray. Father, we, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for the ways that you've spoken us through the book of Daniel, Lord. Father, our prayer is that we would raise the standard that you set before us. Father, give us the power through your spirit and the grace, Father, to do that. And, Father, to be a light to the world, a light to our peers, the light in our schools, a light in our, in our workplaces, Father. I pray that you would give grace, that you would give favor, and that you would empower every young person here to raise that standard amongst their peers. And, Father, not only them, Lord, I pray that as a church church. That we, Father, stand here and that you have established us in the heart, Father, of Oviedo. We pray, Father, that as a church we would raise the standard to reach our communities, to reach our people, Father, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and I thank you for this time. And thank you for this church in Jesus' name. Amen.